You're listening to The Bridge Between Podcast, a weekly exploration of how a family history project transformed into a search for understanding, truth, and the points of connection between people. In dialoguing with others, we begin to understand ourselves. My name is Cisco Ramos, and this is The Bridge Between. Good morning and welcome to the first episode of the second season of The Bridge Between Podcast. I am very happy to be back. I hope you had a wonderful holiday. Thank you to the many people who reached out during the first season. One thing that I'm going to try to do during this particular season is a listener feedback session, and if there's enough folks, even two, it'd be really nice. So please, if you haven't done so already, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Don't forget to email me at thebridgebetween at gmail.com. That's thebridgebtwn at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at thebridgebetween. That's thebridgebtwn. Please reach out because I'd love to hear how the stories I'm sharing relate to your own experiences and identities. My mother almost always purchased two tickets to see an off-Broadway production of Le Mis when I was growing up. It became our annual tradition. Before high school, I think I saw Le Mis at least five or six times in person. This was way before the 2012 movie made it cool again. The curious thing about these kind of experiences, for me at least, is that I never truly appreciated the kind of education and world and mind expansion that I was receiving in the moment. It's analogous to learning a hard-fought lesson from an elder, but never truly appreciating the wisdom and insight that they're distilling until much later in life. It's happened to me twice so far, once with my father, once with my mother. In both instances, that wisdom took me about 15 years to learn so that it became real and I internalized it through my own experiences. And I'm convinced that that's the only way. How else does a parent teach a child to learn and to become? How else does a parent show a real life lesson without ruining a childhood? My father never liked to go to Le Mis. Musicals and productions aren't his thing. If you haven't seen Le Mis in person, do yourself a favor buy a ticket, and go. It's a tale of redemption, love, sacrifice, longing, survival, unfairness, and perseverance. I used to wonder why my mom was so struck by this story. What did she get out of it? Why did it speak to her? And if you've ever grown up poor like we did, why do you invest what little you have so that you can experience the arts? The production always took place at the Civic Center in Lubbock, Texas. If you haven't been, it's the kind of 1970s architecture that was a good idea at the time. Or tornado destroyed the original center in the late 70s. The current center is the product of that reconstruction. I remember feeling out of place when we went to the Civic Center. A primarily white audience, characters who were French, and often we were the only Mexicans in the joint. In reality, and upon reflection, I'm not sure that any of that really mattered at the time. I think it mattered to me personally in that moment because I somehow partially internalized the social projection of what it meant to be Mexican-American in the community. The things you do, the food you eat, the music you listen to, all of that kind of stuff. Everyone seemed to have an opinion. It is anachronistic and sounds terrible to say out loud, and I'm very thankful that my parents never said this to me or my sister. They never said that we couldn't do anything, or that Mexicans don't do this, or that Mexicans don't do that. 
They gave us the freedom that many people were denied. They gave us the freedom to explore. They gave us the freedom to question. And I think more importantly, they gave us the freedom to come to our own understanding of what it means to be, to become, and live as Mexican-American. I remember parking and walking into the building, handing over our tickets, and always sitting somewhere near, but not in the actual cheap seats. There's a big difference between the two. We always tried to be in the middle, to somehow see the entire stage, to see the crew working quietly in the background, between sets, changing scenes, perhaps it was even a costume, seeing the very top of the conductor's head, but never the full orchestra, perhaps the, with the exception of the stand-up string bass on the right-hand side. I remember looking over during the production, and my mom was always captivated. Her eyes were glued to the stage, and every now and again a tear would find its way down her cheek. Le Mis was a story that she could relate to, her own experiences. The unfairness, the struggle, the possibility of redemption, of love, and of overcoming. It's the kind of experience and emotion that enters you at a young age. Something you learn as a child. Something that shapes you throughout your life. My mother couldn't go to medical school in Mexico because there wasn't enough money to bribe the admissions official. It didn't matter that she was at the top of her class, that she outperformed her peers. It didn't matter that she learned how to navigate that complicated and crazy system. And I'm not talking about the formal system. I'm not talking about the application or the interviews that you have to go through. I'm talking about the anachronistic and informal ritual that you had to bribe in a certain way, to use a certain kind of language, and to transfer money in a certain kind of way, to maintain the illusion, and I do mean the illusion, that there is dignity in the people and their process. There is no dignity in doing something illegal, of robbing people of their possibilities and dreams, of creating the informal and pricing people out. It's a crime. Early in the performance, usually around the time when Fantine sings I Dreamed a Dream, I remember looking over because I could see that my mother seemed to be making an intimate connection between the characters, the broader story, and her life. I've talked to my mom about, we always, about why we always went to see La Mis. The story is great, she often told me. Typically at the beginning of every conversation or interview that we've ever conducted, the story was simply great. But just beneath the surface was a deep longing and a fierce rejection of the terms that life had unsuccessfully tried to impose upon her. Have you ever seen the look in someone's eyes when they're committed to something bigger than they are? That's what I, that's what I saw in Act One. I saw someone who continued to walk forward, someone who related deeply to people and their struggles. In their words and songs, my mother saw herself and a path forward for us. Now, to be fair, I know my mom always says that the original idea of taking me to see them is was to expose me to the broader world, to encourage me to see something beyond what our local environment and context would allow us or lead us to believe. That's why the arts were so big in our household. That's why I played the trumpet for 12 years, 
up to and including college, orchestra, band, symphony, ensemble, improvisational jam sessions with friends. It was the freedom to dream, the freedom to improvise. And for those small moments, those infinitesimally small moments in life, it was the freedom to see, feel, and be a part of something much bigger than I was. But I don't think that was the original animating force. My mother saw a story, and that story provided a language, a framework, an outlet for something that is internalized within each of us. That thing that is on the tip of our tongues, a word that we can't remember, something we know or experience but can't verbally describe. That feeling sometimes doesn't even translate to words at all. That song in our ear that never seems to make sense outside of our heads. She saw that before anyone in our home did. She saw that the arts held an invisible power that made dreaming possible. For her, I don't believe it was the power to change or reimagine the past. No. If you know anything about my mother, it is that she always walks forward. She's a survivor and a forward-looking pragmatist. Why change or worry about the past? I can only change the future, she often told me growing up. It wasn't the past that the arts could change. It was how we could envision our future. That was the why. For my mom, the decision to invest what little money we had was an easy one. She tells me time and time again that there are certain things in life that are beyond and quite frankly more important than our everyday contingencies and practical realities. She cared more about our ability to dream, to look beyond, and to reimagine if that gift was not given, if that foresight was not there, I don't know where I would be. I look back at it now and the only words I can say are thank you. Thank you for investing and believing in me, my mind, and my dreams. Thank you for giving me the space to question, the freedom to relate, and make something my own. And even just thank you for teaching me dignity and grace. The hardest part about the bridge between is reflecting on and placing these experiences in a bigger context and framework. This episode was hard to write and put together, and quite frankly, and to my embarrassment, I hadn't thought much about these experiences uh, when we went to the Civic Center. I saw the 2012 movie when I came out. I remember joking with my partner about seeing the performance before it was cool. Mom, thank you for that lesson. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Bridge Between Podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you'd like to reach out, you can email me at thebridgebetween at gmail.com. That's thebridge, B-T-W-N, at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at thebridgebetween. That's thebridge, B-T-W-N. Thank you for listening. <laughs>